We're going to be continuing our series now on missions. We're calling it Jesus and the Mission of God. During this season series, what we're doing is we're looking at what Jesus' mission is and our place in it uh, from our neighbors to the nations. The first week we looked at Jesus as the sent sender. The second week he is the light of the world and we join him in shining his light. Last week he's the Lord of the harvest and we are the sowers and the reapers in his harvest. And today we are the flock of God. Finishing next week, we're looking uh, at what it means that one day we will be at the banquet and what it means to call people to join us in that banquet. We'll be finishing this series then next week. And for me, the series has really helped me see afresh that all of Scripture is infused with the mission of God. And as we keep rolling through this mission series, three ways that you can continue to be involved with the mission of God. Number one, uh, bring friends to this sledding party next week. We've got, uh, I've already got two friends uh, that I've invited to come who don't know Christ. I'm praying that this will be a chance for them to form relationships at the sledding or slushing party, depending on the on the weather. Um, mission trip to Mexico. Let me know if you're interested. I need to know soon. Uh, let me know about that. And then finally, join us in our mission to the next generation. Stick around for that youth group meeting after church today. Now let me pray one more time as we turn our hearts now to this, to this service, to this sermon. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. May you be glorified and may we be urged forward to join you in your mission to the nations. Lord, we thank you that this is not our mission but yours. We join you in it. You are so good, so worthy of all glory. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. My youngest, Cal, he turned one years old uh, this week, and I don't want to be a helicopter parent. He's not ready to fly the coop yet. Um, he's not quite yet ready to go off on his own. Uh, I know that he's still dependent on us for a lot of stuff, um, and it's taken him a while because raccoons can climb trees at two months old. Uh, Cal could smile at two months old. Uh, a lot of animals like giraffes and uh, hippopotamuses and, and pigs, they can walk in the first few minutes of their life. Uh, Cal is not walking yet. It took him eight months to learn to crawl. So humans are slow developers. They're pretty helpless in the first couple months and, and even years of their lives. It takes us as humans a long time to earn that sense of independence. We're dependent upon our parents from a very young age. And this is true of all kinds of animals as well. We just think about the animal kingdom. Most animals are completely able to survive apart from the involvement of humans in their lives. There are some animals that are the exception to that. Totally dependent. i give you, uh, for instance, the, the noble chihuahua. Right? Uh, Chihuahuas descended from wolves. The stereotypical independent lone wolf, the independent predator, uh, now... Its natural habitat is in a woman's purse, right? It, it's gone from uh, the stereotypical predator to the stereotypical prey. Uh, an independent chihuahua is a happy hawk. That's what a chihuahua is. There's other animals as well that are in the same, same category, and one is, another one is sheep. Sheep are totally dependent on humans. If Chris and Melissa went on vacation for a year and left their sheep, it would not turn out well for them. We would have some happy wolves in, in Farmington. An independent sheep is a, a happy wolf. So Cal needs parents. Chihuahuas need purses. 
and sheep need shepherds. They're dependent upon help uh, for life. And so it's a perfect picture, it's a perfect illustration for us to see the relationship between God and His people. All the way throughout Scripture, we see the people of God described as sheep and God described as a shepherd. All the way back to Genesis chapter 48, Jacob says that God is his shepherd. He has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Then, of course, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why shall he not want? Because the Lord has provided everything that he needs. He leads me by still waters. He uh, has me lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Sheep are dependent on the shepherd for life. We, as the people of God, are dependent upon God for life. In the Old Testament, Israel describes the flock of God, uh, is described as the flock of God. They're described in this way, dependent upon Him for survival, dependent upon Him for care and for their needs. And very often, you know, when things go wrong for the people of God, it's because their shepherds are out of whack. Not speaking of God, but speaking about their human leaders. You think about Jeremiah 23, chapter 2, or verse 2, it says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. These are the leaders. He says, You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. He's condemning the leaders of Israel. He's saying, hey, you were supposed to attend to my flock, but you've scattered to them. You've driven them away. After pronouncing judgment on them, God comes back to them one more time, and he says this, Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries that I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. Let let me just say this a different way. Your leaders, O Israel, have failed you. I'll be your shepherd from now on. I'll bring you back together. I'll gather you. And do you want to hear about how he's going to do that? His plan's amazing. And this is in Ezekiel chapter 34. This is what he says. He says, And I will set up over you one shepherd, my servant David, And he shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Did you see that? God is saying, I know your evil shepherds have scattered you, but I will set up you one shepherd, my servant David. And and when he comes, he will feed you, verse 23. He will protect you later, it says in verse 25. He will break the bar of the yoke upon you, verse 27 will then say. David will take the shepherd's staff and he will lead and he will care for the people of Israel, but there's the problem. David's been gone for 300 years by this point. David's not about to take some throne. The point is a descendant of David is going to come. The one who's going to come and lead the people of Israel is the son of David, who shall come from his body, 2 Samuel 7 says. God promises that this man, the descendant of David, will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So Israel, your evil shepherds have scattered you, but one day the good shepherd, the descendant of David, he's going to come and he's going to gather you back together. And finally a man comes. A man from the line of David. And he comes and he says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd does not lay down his life for the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Here's where we're going, be free, for the rest of our time this morning. Number one, three questions. Number one, who is this good shepherd? Number two, who are these sheep? Number three, what does all this have to do with missions? <laughs> who is this shepherd? Who are the sheep? And what does all this have to do with missions? The first question is pretty easy. Who is this shepherd? He's the one who's speaking in this passage. The shepherd here is Jesus. And he comes and he says, who is the good shepherd that Israel looks to, to whom they are dependent upon for their life? He says, I am. I am the good shepherd. The other leaders aren't. They're just hired hands. They care nothing for the sheep. And of course they don't, because they're not their flock. The, fli the, the sheep, they're not the flock of the hired hands. He says, I am the good shepherd. And because I am the I am, I am your God. You are mine. That's what sets me apart from them. That's what sets apart the good shepherd from the hired hands. And so it's, it's like for us, if we're gardeners or if we like to work on our, our car. Our gar gardeners spend hours in their garden, many hours in their garden. As, as you know, I'm not a gardener, um, but for those of you who are, you can spend all afternoon in your garden. And that's a big sacrifice. You spend all that time to, to cultivate your garden, but you do it because it's yours. You have responsibility for it. You have ownership of it. You love it. You love gardening, and so you sacrifice all that time to it. Or maybe you've got a car that's a, a classic car that you love, and you spend hours in your garage fixing your car, updating that car. And it's a big sacrifice of time, but it's worth it because you love that car. You have ownership of that car. When Jesus here, when he says, because you are my flock, I care for you, and I love you, he's saying that because it's his flock. He loves them. He has ownership of that flock. He takes responsibility for that flock. He is willing to make the sacrifice for that flock because it's his. I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's exactly what he does. I mean, because we, church, we are... We're like sheep led to the slaughter. Because of our sin, we have no hope. But our good shepherd came, and he came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of this world. The good shepherd does that for the flock because we are his flock. So who is the good shepherd? It's Jesus. Jesus who lays down his life for his sheep. That's who the good shepherd is. So, who are the sheep? That one's a little harder, actually. Right off the bat, we might say, well, the sheep are, are Christians. Okay, sure, but when we read all this in the context of all of Scripture, actually, who are the sheep? The sheep are the Jews. 
That's what it seems like here, at least in context. Israel is the flock. Jesus came to gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he says in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. That's the immediate context, but then we read verse 16. And in verse 16, I'll put it up here, it says this, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So Jesus, he came to gather the scattered Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew 15, 24. But, you know, just as his kingdom extends not just from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, but to the ends of the earth, so also will his flock not extend only to his people, but to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all peoples. He has other sheep that are not of this fold. When he says that, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's talking about slave and free, man and woman, rich and poor, young and old, you and me. One flock, one shepherd. All who know Jesus, all who listen to the voice of Jesus are a part of his flock. They know his voice, and he knows them. He knows them, apparently, as well as the Father knows him, which should absolutely blow our minds. It goes beyond our ability to comprehend. And, you know, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. But one of the ways that we, as a church, can shine the light of Jesus Christ brightest into the world is when we live in unity. It's the unity of the church that should absolutely shock the world, that we're not divided by things that divide the world, things like race and politics. And of course, it doesn't always work like that. Of course, the church has often fallen short to live out the type of unity that Jesus calls for his, his, his church to have, and it breaks our heart when that happens. We pray increasingly that we should live into that diversity, right? Build relationships across these divides and and seek unity in Christ. And I think unity and diversity, it's something that we should seek and pursue. It's not just a modern political agenda. I do believe this is God's plan. This is God's agenda for his church. And I was really helped by something Sinclair Ferguson said. Uh, he wrote, If Christ is not ashamed to indwell them, I will not be slow to embrace them. The point is the unity that we share with other people is found in the fact that we are one flock under one shepherd. That transcends boundaries. That tears down walls. And yet there's another point here, Be Free, that I want to dig out of this text because um, I think it's incredibly helpful for us uh, that to follow the good shepherd means de facto that you're a part of a flock. To follow the good shepherd, it means that you're a part of a flock. In other words, the Bible has no category for a flockless sheep. A flockless sheep is a shepherdless sheep. The Bible has no category, likewise, for a churchless Christian. That's not a category that, that the Bible has. We are, we're not saved by our church attendance. We know that, and that's, that's not what I'm saying. And yet it's assumed in Scripture that to follow the Good Shepherd is to be a part of his sheepfold. It's just assumed. If you are his 
flock, if you listen to his voice, you're going to enter that fold. You're going to be a part of the gate. That's a part of what he assumes is going to happen with, with a believer. A believer who is not a part of the local church. I'm not saying they're not saved, but they're not listening to the voice of their shepherd. And when we think about our mission field, okay, here in Alton, when we think about what it looks like for us to go out and to share Christ with our surrounding community right outside our front doors, I think a major category of our neighbors are people who would claim to be in this category. People who would claim to follow Christ, but not have a relationship with the flock. And according to Jesus, there is no category for that. And so when we think about, be free, when we think about what it looks like for us to go on mission in our place right now, in our time, one thing that we should be looking for is those of us, is friends who, who claim to follow Christ, but don't have a flock. I meet people all the time who say that, you know, maybe they've been hurt by the church, and we, un- we want to take that seriously. I meet people a lot also who have just fallen out of the rhythm of, of going uh, and gathering with the flock. And you know what? I think that many of us have gotten in that place at times in our life as well. We want to have compassion for people in those situations. However, regardless of the reason, I would argue that our job as fellowship with them is to come alongside them and say, hey, if you follow the shepherd, join my flock. Don't try to follow the shepherd on your own. The good shepherd wants you to follow him along with the rest of his sheep and gather with us. I wonder how many people can you think of in your life that fall into that category? People who claim the name of Christ, claim to follow the good shepherd, but aren't a part of the flock. I mean, I I know for me, uh, even just in the past five years here, most of my relationships, ongoing relationships, have been people uh, who are in this church. However, even I can think of five or six people who I know who claim to follow Christ but aren't a part of the flock. I'm sure that if you have relationships through the school or through your work or through the town, you can probably think of dozens. And my challenge for you over these weeks to come, if these people follow Christ, my encouragement to you is invite them into the flock. Encourage them and and encourage them to become a part of a, a flock, even if it's not our flock. What we want is for people to be part of the community of Christ, the flock of God, following the Good Shepherd together. Because as we look forward in time, what we realize is that's not just the present reality for us, that we should walk together as the flock, but it's also our future reality. I mean, right now, it's impossible to gather, or it's impractical, to gather every Christian on earth in one place, to gather them all together for the sake of worship and and community. And it is impossible for us to gather every Christian from history together at one time. And yet when we look off to the future, both of these things will happen. A day will come when every Christian from every nation, every Christian from every age joins together in one place in the presence of the Lamb to sing worship to Him. This is Revelation 7. We see the entire flock for the first time in history. And John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Oh my gosh, keep going. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Everybody who follows the Good Shepherd, who hears his voice, will be a part of that. And one day these eyes are going to see that. I pray yours will as well. That's a true moment in our future when we get together together as one flock under one shepherd. So number one, who is the good shepherd? It's Jesus. Who are the sheep? All those who know Jesus and who listen to his voice. And finally, what does all this have to do with mission? Well, we started answering that already. But there's one more thing that I want to point out here as we close. One, one other major thing, because as we think about what it looks like to live on mission or to do evangelism or to do missions or whatever language we want to use, one thing that I think is a major roadblock for many of us is we think to ourselves, okay, but I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to say when I tell people about Jesus and they've got questions. I don't, I don't know if, if they would want to listen to me at all. I mean, for me, I've spent a lot of time reading the Bible and studying, but I feel that way too. I don't have the answer to every question. I don't know if I would say to them to convince them that this is true, to convince them that Jesus actually is who he says he is. But I think what we see in verse 16 is helpful. It's an encouragement to us. This is what he says. It, it brings to me a, a hope and peace as I think about this work of mission and, and evangelism. Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I, I mean, we know it's our job to go and tell. I mean, yes, we, we, do, we do works to put on display the gospel, but the gospel is news. The gospel is a message. The gospel is something that must be spoken. We need to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross and rose again for them, wiping away their sins. We need to say all that, but we're just, I mean, just like we saw last week, not only are we the harvested harvesters, we're also the sent sheep. We go to tell. We're sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves, Matthew 10, to go and to speak the message of the gospel. And we find so much hope, don't we? And what this passage reminds us, that we as believers, his sheep, he is the one who brings people into the fold. And ultimately, it's his voice, his voice, his voice that people will have to hear. The call from his lips that will reach their heart. And we'll lead them to faith. Because it's never going to be possible for us to do mission or to do evangelism perfectly. We're going to do so imperfectly. We're going to do so bumbling, bumbling all the way through. We're weak. But where we're weak, Christ is strong. And while we can't reach hearts, He can. And while He can't lead people to conviction, he will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put into them. They will listen to his voice. 
Jesus is the good shepherd who knows and loves his sheep and whose sheep know and love him. And the only way to be in his flock is through him. He gives life to his flock by leading them to pasture and returning them safely. Even at the cost of his own life. And when that message is shared, he's the one who will open their ears and help people receive and respond to that call. Our job is just to point people to him, to the Good Shepherd, and to pray that the Lord of the harvest, the Good Shepherd, will do his work. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we find so much comfort knowing that it's not our job to open ears, Lord, but that it's your voice that people will hear and to respond to. And yet, Father, we know that we have a job to do. That we have to go and speak. We have to tell the message of Jesus. That we have to do so intentionally and proactively. We have to do so urgently, Father, knowing that people need to know. They need to know if they're going to respond. And so, Father, we pray right now as a church that you would even now be opening ears, opening hearts, softening hearts to hear and respond to the gospel, and putting inside of us a zeal and a burden and a passion to speak the message of the gospel to those who don't know you. So, Father, thank you that we can rest in the knowledge that you are over all of this. You are the Good Shepherd. We've known your care personally. <laughs> We've known the safety and the security of your sheepfold. May others come in as well to know it too. We love you, Lord, and we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.